It is Wednesday, December 15th, and you are listening to Run That Back. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. I almost did it. We are the show formerly known as but I didn't say those words. Well, it is something that you've done over and over and over again. <laughs> For like eight years. We've you know, done like this show. throwing the ball to first base from second. <laughs> Um, yes, we are run that back. Uh, thanks to the uh, news hour for giving us a little shout as they sign off. That's nice. That's awesome. Um, and uh, hopefully, some of you stayed over for a different kind of news. Yeah, news from the world of sports and sometimes entertainment. Uh, and we've got a lot of cool stuff that we've got um, we coming up uh, in a few minutes. We'll be talking uh, with Matt Pagoshnik. Uh, biggest sports news of the week is definitely Formula One. It was uh, auto racing, so we'll get into that. Uh, we also have a f- new fun segment uh, that uh, we'll be starting about throwback jerseys. So stay tuned for that. Uh, lots of good things to talk about. Throwback jersey. Throwback or keep it? <laughs> uh, so we want to do uh, a quick rundown um, of uh, the last week in sports uh, before our guest and before our new segment. Uh, what's jumped out for you, Tom, this week? Well, uh, we'll go with uh, football to start. Okay. And a funny thing, uh, often people, when they're on talking about their teams, they will use we. You know, we really yeah. Um, I think I did it for you just a few minutes you ago. Did. Yeah. Maybe, uh, so uh, the team that I often follow, uh-huh. the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, <laughs> Are you ju- getting a divorce? <laughs> yes. They're just really uh, <laughs> deteriorating as this season goes on with an interim coach and, and other reasons. Um, but yeah, they played in Kansas City against the Kansas City Chiefs. They're you know longtime heated rival, and they made some. Th- decision to go to midfield before the game and sort yeah. of jump up and down on the logo. It's very interesting that then I'm like, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? There's no we in that movie. Yes. Like, they have lost their mind. What are they doing? It's it's funny how that turns. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so there was that. And there's, there's no reason really to mention the game as I, I texted you and uh, our friend Josh. Like, yeah. okay, they just fumbled the ball on the first play, yeah. uh, which was picked up and run for a touchdown. Clearly, universe is telling me, go do something else with your yeah. Sunday afternoon. It's time for holiday shopping. <laughs> so, hey, do you want to go to that <laughs> antique store? But I uh, thought you were going to. We're going out. We're doing something else. Um, <laughs> oh, I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, you do have a little we in your yeah. uh, your football support still. Uh, yeah. Buffalo Bills and uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers played a great game. So I would say... The uh, the last hour of the late games oh, on yeah. Sunday were fantastic. It was awesome. Like, and that's what we're always looking for. Just like, okay, give me the good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, the tail end of that game, the tail end of the uh, Niners-Bengals game uh, oh, was fantastic. Crazy, yes. Uh, uh, both going into overtime, which, uh, again, Red Zone was like, I don't think we've ever done this before. <laughs> yes. um, but that's, uh, yeah, super entertaining. Those, those are all good teams. And, mm-hmm. uh, Unless it is a tie, which it almost was in both cases. Yeah. Uh, some team does have to lose. And unfortunately, your team lost again in a yes. close game where 
they had some frustrations and some clear opportunities, but uh, uh, how, how was the we hanging around your neck this week? Uh, it was hard. I mean, uh, so yeah, they basically didn't, they <laughs> didn't show up in the first half, but we had a very good comeback in the second <laughs> half. So I'm adopting this. I, I like this a lot. And eventually, yes, if, if Raiders could, and I'll just go to one. <laughs> one can yes. play football. <laughs> I've always liked that. This is a total diversion, but in that Rush song, yes. where it's like, one likes to believe in the spirit of music. And I'm like, you're really using one in a rock and roll song? That makes Rush utterly unique. But yes, I, I like that uh, that pronoun change for, <laughs> yeah. for the Raiders. Um, but... Uh, start getting into the subjunctive clause in other ways. Yes. Uh, so we didn't quite... We, my family, watching the game, didn't quite get into the, like, okay, you were sitting in that seat, so you have to stay mm-hmm. there. But, you know, the first half, they were... The Bills were doing so poorly, and... You know, the kids kind of checked out. They were watching, you know, videos on their laptop, still out in the living room. But as the bill started coming mm-hmm. back in the second half, they were like, wait, what's happening? We're like, just stay there. Just watch <laughs> your video, <laughs> you know, because you you didn't. It was a little bit of like, you don't deserve to be a part of this comeback, <laughs> but also like... It's been working. Whatever. Yeah, he can show you the replay if they win. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, and and then then yes, um there were some officiating calls that none of us were very happy about, um, to put it mildly. And then uh, there is also some coaching decisions that had me yelling at the television screen. Um but then yeah, in a position to win, didn't quite do it, kick a field goal, go to overtime. And then, you know, Tom Brady's Tom Brady, and they score, um, They the Buccaneers score a touchdown to win the game. And, yeah, that's when Levi was, like, screaming and, you know, wanting to throw something at the door. And I was like, okay, gotta, gotta model good behavior. And it was like, you know, that was an awesome game. And Josh Allen was awesome. And so let's, let's stick with that. Yes. And then the other big story of the week, uh, other than the one we will uh, mm-hmm. cover with our guest, was uh, Steph Curry setting the, the all-time record for uh, three-pointers made in NBA play, uh, surpassing Ray Allen. And he finally did so uh, last night by getting uh, uh, two just yes. to put him over the top um, very early in the game, mm-hmm. which was good because he could sort of then focus on the game, which was which, which was a good game. The Warriors did end up winning. Uh, and it was great. You know, we've, we've talked about the wizardry that is Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Um but my thing on that, which was, I was just a little uh, annoyed with the coverage, was he was 16 shy of the mm. record. And they literally were uh, reporting, I was like, will he set the record tonight? <laughs> yeah. Even though no one, not even Steph Curry, <laughs> even. had ever uh, <laughs> sunk 16 three-pointers in a game. I think the most is either 11, maybe 12. But they were covering like it could. I was like, what, what, "Why are you doing this? Right. Why are you setting up this like ridiculous expectation?" So they said, "Oh, he only got five and was amazing again, um, loser." You know. Um, so that and he even was like, "I'm so sorry that even, I even let that uh, b- balloon float for a few seconds." Um, but outside of that, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Can it happen in Madison Square Garden? Uh, whatever you want to say about the Knicks, Knicks fans, they are good for those moments. They recognize sort of yeah. like. That you know, think if a, if a 
uh, the record would be set in and the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, the fans yeah. would know how cool that was, whether it was right. their team or not. So it, it was all pretty cool with Dell, his, his, his dad being there. And, uh, yeah, with the Ray Allen and Reggie Miller being there, it was all, uh, well executed and, and well received. Well, we in the sports media enjoy <laughs> hyping a story as much as we possibly can. Um, Except when I was like, what are they doing <laughs> yes. talking about 16 three-quarters of the game? Um, I did want to read this. Our friend John Reed, yes. who has been on the show a couple of times, I, I know he's ha- he shared this on Twitter a couple of times, but he sent the- put out this tweet that said, Steph Curry should have an asterisk next to his three-point record because of his disgusting mouth guard situation. And I know that's something you've talked about on this show it, before, it too. It is a thing. Like, we can yeah. see you. Yeah. Like, we can see you. Yeah. I-, I-, I understand you have to do whatever it is that makes you you, the most... Um, you know, amazing shooter ever in the right. history. But um, is there any way you could not gnarl on a saliva plastic like like it's a dog chew toy um, every time you are sort of waiting through a commercial break? I, and it feels like like LeBron used to do it, and he's um, I think do I re- have that correct? Um, maybe not. He used to bite his nails sure. on the on the bench, and I think. He finally stopped himself of that habit. But there have been players who have done it that I think have stopped, but Steph has not. He he continues to do that. I think Mahomes does it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but he also has the helmet face mask to you. sort of give you one extra layer. <laughs> yeah. Bless uh, you, helmet. Yeah. Um, but speaking about athletic mm-hmm. gear, um, yeah. that is something that we uh, did turn our attention this week. We were thinking, hey, holidays coming up and. Sometimes people think of gifts and otherwise, so there might be the temptation to purchase a throwback jersey. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit last week because mm-hmm. I went to the the Pitt Wake Forest game and they were sporting like some cool throwback Pitt jerseys, and I was jealous as a Wake Forest fan that I'm like I don't know who I you know in football anyways what I would be you know I could wear a Tim Duncan throwback jersey, but uh, yeah, not at that game. And so. Just if, if anyone doesn't know, so yeah, a throwback jersey basically refers to uh, wearing a, a jersey of a team from uh, you know an earlier version of the uh, uniform, um, which can just be that, or often it'll uh, also include the name and mm-hmm. number of a favorite player from um, a, a previous time. And and we've talked about that. That's if if you're going to do that. I actually don't own any jerseys, but you know. Because players can move, they can get traded, they can get cut, they can refuse to show up, so then they get released. You know, uh, it always feels a little weird. Like, I spent a hundred bucks on this thing and the guy's gone? Right. You know, what do I do now? Uh, so the throwback is really the way to go. Oh, Tom, what you got? No, I, I only wear non distinct jerseys yes. because. As a bit of a celebrity, if I do wear the jersey of someone, it'll get back to them, and it'll also get back to people who I'm not wearing yeah. their jersey, and then it, it just becomes weird. We so, celebrities. We celebrities, so yeah. I can only wear nondescript. Uh, so at the moment, I'm wearing uh, 88, and yes. someone wants to be like, hey, Drew Pearson. And it's like, if that's what you want to think, yeah. you go right ahead, but you let him know. I like that it's like a sort of sports jersey Rorschach <laughs> test. It is. You know, that I was like, hey, Pete Metzelars, you know. Yes, it is. 
is yes. if you know him and can mention it to him <laughs> yeah. and he can maybe give me some sort of uh, signing deal. That, that was a good reveal. I didn't know you were going to do that, too. Okay, uh, so we... So, it, so yeah. we had that thought, and then, yeah, you, you again, when you were there, you were like, wow, Dan Marino, like, that's really cool. And then also yeah. you were like, hmm, really? Oh, Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman, like, good for you? Yeah. yeah. So we, we reached out to people who have been on the show... Uh, I think we've got room, uh, time for one or two mm-hmm. here at the top. Um, and so asking three things, like if you, uh, you know, if you've got the money, what's the throwback jersey? Who's your favorite player? What are you going to, what are you going to buy? Uh, then also we asked for deep cuts, you know, like I put this example in the thing that some people were like, are you crazy? But, uh, some people enjoy the Stones album, Black and Blue. It's, n- by far not their best record, but some people are like, that's my favorite record. Mm-hmm. You know, so who's the deep cut that you would choose? And then who's off the list? Right. Like, yeah, I'm never doing that. And the example I gave for the Bills was OJ Simpson. Yeah. So we reached out to some folks. Uh, you're ready for the first yes. one? Yes. Okay. So the first one was Nick Davis. You want to tell who Nick Davis Great. is? Great. So uh, Nick Davis was uh, with us this year. He had a good year. Uh, yes. Nick Davis is uh, a friend of mine from doing comedy together in New York back in the days. But uh, uh, this year he directed a 30 for 30 mm-hmm. uh, for ESPN called Once Upon a Time in Queens about the 1986 Mets, uh, yep. which was kind of their, their hit thing. And if you go to a 3030, that's the first thing that'll show up. And also a dream project yes. for Nick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a big, big Mets fan. Mm. Um, and, and so that is reflected in his answers. Yes. So uh, first, <laughs> Nick gave us this preface. I have never been a guy who buys Jersey. I find it simply too embarrassing, too childish, too much the act of someone saying, you, yes, you, sports star, are more important than I am. And I'm proving it by wearing a shirt in your honor. That said, having said that, the old curvier enthusiasm, if I had a genuine reproduction of a Tom Seaver Met home jersey from the his first stint on the team, pre-racing stripe down the side, which they had by the time he returned in 83, while I would never wear it to a game, and in fact would probably never wear it anywhere near New York City, I would be happy to have it and would wear it probably just about any time i am not in the united states so we'll buy that for him when he goes to the yes. soviet union or russia uh, so number two his deep cut was i would totally be fine wearing a bruce beauclair number four jersey though people would think it was rusty stop i don't think the mets had names on their jerseys until after beauclair was off the team but maybe in 79 they started in which case i'd be fine with one uh, and then the last one who's on the list the the ne- list never to do it he said if someone wore a vince coleman mets jersey i would think they either have a very subtle sense of humor or they're just a jerk except nick said a different word than yeah. jerk yeah so that's that's what we got from nick uh and we also love that it was like instant response yes like, <laughs> yeah. hopefully somebody bing oh, yeah. look what we got oh my <laughs> gosh it was like five minutes later he was he was ready uh, so Clark Acock yes. has been on the show. He's one of our draft gurus, mm-hmm. big Packers fan, former Mets fan. Mm-hmm. He's uh, disavowed them. Uh, so defining player, he said, the answer is none because I have not and would not purchase a jersey. But if I needed to, then um, it, he's a Packers fan. If my most recent quarterbacks didn't sully their heroics with personality defects, it'd be one of them. This is hard because I don't think I like this. 
I'll say Sterling Sharp. Mm-hmm. So that's Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. He's like, I just can't go there. Right. Uh, the deep cut, I love these. Uh, Lynn Dickey, yes. quarterback of the Packers in the 80s. James Lofton, a fabulous Bill, but an even better Packer. Don Mikowski, do you remember mm-hmm. Don Mikowski, the magic man? Uh, Gilbert Brown, a defensive player. BJ Raji, that's a deep cut. And then Jim McMahon, who was like perennial backup at the Packers. And off the list is Mark Chimura. Uh, we don't have to get into why. Tony Manderich, Darren Sharper, also don't have to get into why. Rand, Randall Woodfield, really don't need to get into why. <laughs> so there's a lot of those. <laughs> uh, very, very, very good. Should we do one more quick one? We can do one more. Ryan Smart. Yes. Chiefs fan, Kansas Jayhawks fan. He has a very short one. His defining player for the Chiefs, it's Pat Mahomes. For the Jayhawks, Mario Chalmers. Chalmers for three. And he said, and yes, we already have both in my house. <laughs> um, for his deep cut, he chose former Kansas City wide receiver greats Sean LaPel and Mark nice. Bordridger. I really don't remember those two. And then off the list, or on the list, depending on, either Lynn Elliott, see Kansas City's 95 playoff game versus Indianapolis, or my personal favorite, Sport Nobono, old Steve Bono. <laughs> Steve Bono. Um, yeah, we just had to hold up for, for a Steve Bono reference. Um, so those are fun. And uh, if you care, uh, we do have a, a Facebook page. Run that back. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to share uh, your answers to these, you, you, you could do so with us there. And we've got some more responses we'll, we'll try to get uh, as much as we can later in the show uh, or also in uh, in next shows. But uh, we'll be coming back in just a few minutes talking to Matt Pekoshnik about Formula One. We are back here on Run That Back. Um, yeah, it was fun talking uh, about throwback jerseys. Uh, we'll be, like I said, coming back to that a little bit more. Uh, but we want to shift to uh, really the um, the defining uh, sporting event of this week is Formula One. And when we talk about Formula One, there's one person that we that we turn to, our senior global car racing analyst, Matt Pagoshnik. Matt, welcome back to Run That Back. Thank you very much. Great to be back. Hi, Tom. Hello, Matt. Um, yeah, nice to talk to you about that. It, so I, I feel like a few times in the past we've been like, okay, if you know, if you don't know, there's something called Formula One. But <laughs> this was legitimately did lead uh, Sports Center. Um, you know, uh, after after that final race and that final lap. So uh, I, I don't feel like it's the sort of ironic reach that it can be sometimes. <laughs> you, you're generally you've made the front page. Way to be. Yeah, my actually my wife got spoiled to the results from the web page of the Star Tribune, the local Minneapolis paper, mm. before I saw the race. Mm. So it was, you know, it, it you know, it made the headlines. So, uh, so that it would, was it a case, uh, Tom has talked about this in the past, where like, sometimes uh, with sporting events, you'll be like, no, here, you need to come watch this. This is really... Uh, really important and sometimes it's like okay yeah i guess you know and this time maybe you gotta like oh yeah this was a really big deal 
This was, um, so uh, a friend of mine who, uh, well, you know, Scott, John, he hosts uh, the races almost every weekend. And he earlier in the day texted another friend uh, who had watched the race already and basically said, stay off all social media, (laughs) stay off everything and watch it. If you're watching it with a group of people, you're going to have the time of your lives. It was, and, and we kind of did. So let's start with like actually watching it. Um, So do you guys usually do that? Do you guys like, um, because sometimes it's happening all over the world. It's in Europe, it's in Mexico. Um, are, will you guys be like, yeah, we're watching it Sunday at 3 p.m. Just don't look at Twitter. Don't look at anything. That's what we try to do. We basically every Sunday evening, we get together at uh, our friend John's house. He cooks, you know, some ridiculous meal that he makes it seem like he kind of, you know, pulls it out of thin air. But it's amazing. And uh there's about five or six of us that get together pretty regularly and sit down in his basement and watch the movie, you know, or movie, the show, the race <laughs> Yes. every, uh, <laughs> uh, watch the race, uh, on, on Sunday evenings. And we try to, you know, not spoil ourselves as much as possible, but every now and then something squeaks through, but, uh, that's kind of how it's been for the last 10 years, actually. And, um, so this night was pretty special because, you know, obviously, I mean, even if uh, we hadn't kind of heard that from uh, John's other friend, we would have been really excited for this race just because of the dynamic of the whole situation as it was coming down. Uh, but we ended up getting like three or four extra people. Uh, my uh, my son Max came mm. because he, wa- he wanted to witness history and another guy, uh, his son came. Uh, John's brother-in-law, who is actually from the UK but doesn't care about F1, came. <laughs> and then uh, John, uh, he's kind of one of those guys who sort of befriends everybody. And so, and John is a, a Porsche aficionado. And so his mechanic, who works on John's <laughs> cars, came to the race. <laughs> and it was, it was awesome because uh, this guy, Joe, I've known him for years, but he doesn't, he's very quiet, keeps to himself, just works on cars. And he's like locally, like a very famous Porsche mechanic. And he came and he was like, couldn't just wouldn't stop talking. He was like, <laughs> so excited to be watching the race with a bunch of people. So it was, we had a blast. You know, there's Vito, the Italian. Oh, yeah. Who, you know, he was part sound. He was part of the trip to Mexico that you he reported on for us. He was part of the trip to Mexico us. when yes. we go to the races. But, you know, he's like, you know, he's grabbing people and hugging people and standing <laughs> up and screaming. And it just, it, it, it's everything you could hope from, from watching uh, uh, an event with a group of people. Uh, well, there you go, Matt. So we just wanted to set the table a little bit. So, yep. again, uh, Formula One, it's like uh, NASCAR, but with flatter cars um, yeah. and with <laughs> noses and wings and things. Yeah. Um, but yes. similar to NASCAR, uh, it's a points race. Yeah. So basically, you know, drivers are, tr- are are working to accumulate points, and uh, whoever has the most points by the end of the season is the is the champion. So it is yes. similar uh, th- uh, that way. And um, 
So it came down to the last race between, you know, the top two racers, and it sort of fell out uh, unless something very surprising happened that, you know, whoever wins this is, is going to uh, end up winning the points race um, for the season. And uh, that is exactly what happened. Um, and then just a, a you know, little, which you can take it. So just let us understand um, what it is that anybody was even threatening um, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Um, uh, so that's a story, but the, the fact that it, you know, it wasn't just, um, that there was someone near him, but it was literally nose to nose as, as they headed yeah. into that final race. Yeah. So they were, so Max Verstappen, a uh, Dutch driver for Red Bull racing, uh, was the, f- well, the s- only the second person, the second driver to legitimately have a shot at the title, uh, out of, uh, seven of the last nine championships. So it was Nico Rosberg, uh, H- Hamilton's uh, teammate, won in 2000, oh God, 16, and just barely beat Hamilton. And then this is the only other year that anyone has even come close. So, and they were tied, like literally, uh, you know, on points going into this last race. And so there, there was an immense amount of tension between the two teams, at least, you know, on the surface in the media uh, going into this. And it was, it was super unclear as to what was going to happen. Verstappen has a little bit of a reputation of the, uh, being an aggressive driver, uh, you know, being on the edge maybe of mm-hmm. what's uh, acceptable on the racetrack. And, uh, and Hamilton had uh, an incredible desire to win this eighth championship because it would, it would basically it would seal his legacy as being, you know, the greatest Formula One driver of all mm-hmm. time because he would have beaten Michael Schumacher's uh, record of seven championships. So this was like, there was a lot on the line for these, for these two drivers. And, and and, uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe let's fast forward to the, like, uh, so it came down to the last lap, but tell us, tell us, which is kind of crazy to think about, but, there was controversy right before the last lap. I know this gets yeah. into very technical um, technical um, thinking about uh, Formula One, but maybe share just a little bit about like what the heck that was all about. Yeah, I don't want to get too into the woods, but or the weeds, but it will be. But basically, what happened was with about five laps to go. Uh, one of the backmarker cars crashed, mm-hmm. and the safety car had to come out to clean up the mess. And uh, and if, you know these cars, when these cars bust apart, they really break apart because of all the carbon fiber. It goes all over the place, so it isn't quite you know. It, it, depending on where the car crashes, is there a crane nearby? You know how much of a mess is there? So this is all going on while you're, you know, you're literally in the last five laps of the race that's supposed to decide this championship. 
So Hamilton is out in front on old medium tires. Like right. his tires, he's got like, I don't know, 20, 30 laps on these medium tires. Earlier in the race, Verstappen had snuck in for a pit stop, and he's got fresh, like a lap or two, soft tires on. Soft tires. Soft tires. Yes, soft tires. Very grippy, very fast. The crash happens, safety car comes out, and this is kind of where the controversy starts. Normally, cars are... They either make a decision. You're allowed to unlap yourself or you or you don't unlap yourself. And what that means is like the cars that are stuck in between the leaders can't move. And so initially the race director said, no, stay where you are. And then with one lap to go, the race director gets on the radio and says, okay, you can unlap, unlap yourself. So all these cars that are between right. uh, Hamilton and Verstappen pass Hamilton and literally Verstappen's gap goes from 15 seconds, which is a lot in F1 to he's right behind Hamilton. Mm. And then with the tire situation as it was, uh, the result was a foregone conclusion. So Verstappen got past Hamilton and, won the championship there's awesome audio uh mm-hmm. of lewis hamilton being oh. like is he right behind me and then the crew chief's like yeah he, he's right behind you <laughs> yeah. uh, well you know the, the safety car came out and like they cut to hamilton and they you know had his radio on and it was literally yeah yeah <laughs> like he knew he knew right at that moment what was going to happen well and so then it um it, it comes down to the final lap, uh, and it was very dramatic after that. Even though you were like, it's a foregone cl- conclusion, Hamilton yeah. was still like, can I make a move here on the final lap? Um, and that was awesome. Well, that was some of yeah. the, the dramatics, because uh, yeah, Verstappen actually manages to pass mm-hmm. um, Hamilton on the first turn, which is not right. typically when you would try such a thing. You might wait for the stretch that comes right after it. But uh, Hamilton did go, did go wide, and you said you know Max is, is an aggressive driver, so he went and he had, he took it early, which was a bit oh, of a surprise. Yeah. That that very very first turn off the start that that was like yeah that was very very intense and uh, yeah I mean Hamilton did the right thing there going wide and staying kind of out of Max's way because I mean f- frankly in my opinion that that was like kind of classic for stop and basically just saying this is what i'm willing to do to win this race and and what was it like in the room were you guys like screaming was food falling out of your mouth (laughs) were you you know like what were you like punching each other like or was it just utter silence like what was the read in the room Oh, it was total chaos yeah total chaos it was i mean we were just going did you black out (laughs) I did, not, I, did not, I did not black out. I didn't black out. I remember most of the night. I remember most of the night. But uh, but uh, no, it was it was you know it was just it was really pretty spectacular just being in that environment because um it was, you know everybody was completely 
engaged, maybe except for John's brother-in-law, who was just kind of hanging out in the back. But it was just, uh, it was one of those great moments uh, of uh, having a communal experience, watching a sport, um, and and being completely involved with yeah. with every moment. And, you know, the team radio would come on, and, you know, uh, Christian Horner, the principal for Red Bull Racing, would say something, you know, and, of course, all, like, nine people in this room would just be like, Whoa, come on, come <laughs> on, you know. And so it was, it was, uh, it was a lot, a lot of fun. So we've got Matt Pagoshnik here, our senior global racing analyst. Um, and uh, we're talking about the Formula One, very dramatic um, uh, end to that season. Uh, so we know that Max Verstappen won his first championship ever. Uh, he won the driver's title, but then Hamilton's Mercedes team won the constructor's title. Um, yes. Which um, I don't know what that means. Uh, but there's also... <laughs> There's this idea that Mercedes is also protesting the result of the race because of some very, um, because of those uh, kind of controversial things that you were uh, talking about. So, Matt, tell us, like, what does that mean? Is that just a, like, oh, um, you know, of course you have to protest it. It's going to be forgotten. Or is it a similar to the Trump team trying to overturn the 2020 election? Um, well, yeah, uh, definitely, uh, John has tried to, uh, draw some, uh, some parallels between the, the Trump team January 6th events and, uh, kind of the Red Bull and Mercedes, uh, take on the end of this race. Um, but actually, um, to just today, uh, before we had sort of talked about coming on to talk about F1, the FIA, which is the governing body of, uh, of formula one uh kind of an announced that they were going to do like an internal audit mm. you know to to in, to find ways to deal with situations like this that might be a little less controversial in the future uh which a lot of people took to mean that behind the scenes that probably means that mercedes is going to withdraw their mm. uh their dispute or their, or their, you know, their, 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 yeah, their dispute about the results of this race. And so I guess what that means is that, I mean, Max is the champion and Lewis is second. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the FIA, you know, is going to investigate themselves and they'll do better, better in the future. Maybe. There you go. Uh, Matt, there is, there is the idea that some people maybe didn't want Lewis Hamilton to, to win again for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, he's very outspoken as being the first, you know, major black driver in Formula One. Right. Uh, and, you know, and the, you know, racism that he's encountered along the way. But also, some people just say he, he's a little difficult. He's a little arrogant. He, he sort of just assumes that he will win every year. Uh, and, and he has good reason to do so. Um, but there was some energy towards, uh, m you know, maybe him just not just winning again. Um, I don't know that that's why the result went the way it did. Um, it right. was an odd decision to sort of let the middle cars remain and mm. then take them away. I think you go one way or the other. Um, but right. just talk about that and that uh, it is tricky. He, while he's a celebrated figure, he's also a bit of a difficult personality at times. 
Yeah, he is at times. Um, I think this is what I think is that um, I think that there it's just that there's a lot of hmm, I think that he's an, an incredible force mm-hmm. in the sport. And in the last couple of years, especially he's as far as I can tell, he's made a lot of personal growth in kind of the way that he in the things that he takes seriously. Mm. And so he's kind of gone from being about himself on the track and very much oriented towards the team. Right. And and like, you know, and he, and like ever since uh George Floyd He's he's made a lot of uh, really serious and and good uh, efforts to begin diversifying the mm-hmm. sport and uh, you know bringing awareness to uh, a lot of those issues that that he's interested in and that's kind of been really exciting and one of the reasons that we've sort of you know taken him to heart as a, a driver. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say, Matt, is the last time you wrote us an email um, about this that I read on the air, and we talked about it a little bit, that you guys, like your crew, was actually rooting for Lewis Hamilton this year for the first time in a few yeah. years. And my question was, was like, if this same thing scenario had happened, say, three years ago, you would have been rooting for Verstappen, probably. Uh, Pro- probably. Yeah. Except those guys at Red Bull are just a bunch of jerks. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's maybe a, a pick your poison. It, it would have been a pick your poison, I think. But in this, in this case, we're definitely like, you know, I always sort of joke about, you know, as, as kind of passionate as I am about this sport, it, it is sort of nice to, that, in a sense, I don't necessarily really care who wins. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, this outcome was strange. Yeah. And, like, it, was it, was it, was there some, you know, wasn't an expression of unconscious bias or institutional racism? Like, it sure could be. Mm-hmm. But just as well, it could be, it could be, like, you know, the race director being put in this super awkward position in the last five laps of, uh, of a hotly contested driver's championship that came down to this race. And, and like they were trying to find the balance between, you know, if so, if he hadn't made the decision that he made the race director, the race more than likely would have ended under a safety car Mm. with Hamilton in the lead. Now you'd have a whole other group of people saying that's a ridiculous way to end such a hotly contested driver's championship, you know, with them filing through uh, behind a safety car. So hopefully they'll, you know, they'll actually sincerely like have a look at their policies or how they, you know, run these races and there'll be, you know, some sort of firm, uh, uh, decisions made about, okay, if X happens, then Y happens, you know, going forward, you know, but this, this whole season, there's been a lot of, uh, sort of complaining 
uh, by both teams about the way the rules maybe have been enforced arbitrarily. So in a way, this is kind of, you know, it's the macro micro of the entire entire season. It's like come down to a season where like a lot of races have kind of been decided by the officials who, you know, the stewards who aren't necessarily racing. Yeah. Like, you know, now the very last, the whole season has been decided by the stewards and the officials who aren't actually racing. Yeah. So, Matt, I love that you use the word season because that's what we talk a lot about here. We love sports and it's like watching your favorite, uh, uh, you know, like streaming your favorite series um, and, you, yeah. uh, or, you know, a whole season in a week. And you just hope that the last episode is great. And this one certainly was. Yes. Um, which yes. is awesome. So uh, thanks for breaking that down. And also thank you for sort of carefully choosing your words to kind of summarize a, a, a complicated scenario with a lot of different things. So just real quickly, because you mentioned on our way in, we were talking about throwback jerseys, and you had a very uh, adorable answer. If you, you were forever to uh, wear a, a throwback jersey, uh, what would that one be for you? Uh, well, it would be the one that I have in a box somewhere up up in my attic. It's the um, the uh, jersey from uh, First National Bank of Wapiton when I was a bat boy <laughs> for my dad's softball team in 1979. And uh, you know, just like uh, just like my wedding dress, I can still <laughs> I can still <laughs> because, you know because you know they, they had to order like you know these these jerseys didn't come like in any kind of like sizes for a nine year old. I can still I can still fit into that jersey to this day. And and what state is Wapaton in? Uh, North Dakota. That's right, North Dakota. That's of course. Yeah. And, and it is, I'll tell you, this jersey is the most uh, comfortable blend of polyester and polyester that you've ever <laughs> <laughs> worn against your skin. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> well, hey, Matt, thanks so much. Uh, we, again, we were very excited that uh, Formula One found its way to the front page, and uh, we, we got to bring in our beat reporter on this. So thanks for the recap of, of all that was involved in that very, very exciting final race and final lap. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, guys. And, yeah, thanks again to Matt. Um, uh, and, yeah, he had a, an adorable uh, jersey, uh, throwback jersey idea, which I think would – Work for both defining player and deep cut. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so quickly on that, for me, um, my favorite team is the Celtics. My mm-hmm. favorite player was Larry Bird, but I just can't wear that because I feel like Michael Rappaport sort yes. of owns that. Yeah. So, you know, just as a, a puffy white guy, I can't really, you know, like tread heck <laughs> yeah. brown because I would be Michael Rappaport or yeah. any of the brothers of Melissa McCarthy in the movie The Heat. Um, or that, what is it, Celtic Pride? Exactly. Gets yeah. into a little of so, that. So, uh, for me, I think I would probably go uh, Tiny Archibald oh, because of that's favorite a good player, and I think I just like the name Archibald. Yeah. Um, that's a good transition because uh, Matt Clark is a New England sports mm-hmm. connoisseur, uh, big lover of those uh, of those sports. He wrote in for his defining player. He said it has to be Tom Brady in the red Patriots throwback mm-hmm. colors, the jerseys they used to wear with Pat the Patriot helmet. I actually have this jersey, but I've always wanted a Ted Williams Red Sox jersey, probably the definitive Sox player from the golden age of baseball. My grandfather, who lived in Florida, once sent me a picture of him and Yaz at spring training. So it'd be a bonus tie back to my granddad. Love that answer. That's a good one. Deep cut choices. He said, this is so fun. I'm doing one for all the Boston teams. Celtics, he chose Eddie House. 
a classic heat check gunner who came off the bench for the 08 Celtics in the Garnett Pierce Allen Championship year. For the Patriots, he chose Mike Vrabel, great player in real life and fantasy. Maybe Adam Vinatieri in the 90s, Drew Bledsoe era Royal Blue. Uh, for the Bruins, he chose Darth Quader. This is one of the all-time greatest sports nicknames. Real name Adam McQuaid, defenseman <laughs> who liked to fight a lot. And yes, the name on the back would be Darth Quader over his black and gold 54. That's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Um, Red Sox, he chose uh, El Guapo, Rich Gar- Garces. Is that how you say his name? I can't even remember. Sure. Yeah. And then non-Boston, he chose uh, Johnny Bench uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, his off the list... Uh, Aaron Hernandez. Yes. Again, you don't have to Google it. Um, or he said, or the Brady half pats, half bucks jersey, which I think a lot of nice. people are wearing. I like that he he's drawing that line. I, I thought a fun choice, maybe or really specific for a couple to wear, is if she wore uh, her Cedric Maxwell jersey uh-huh. and he wore his throwback Rudy Tomjanovich jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be pretty good yeah. a lot of a lot of fights jeff carnavale uh premier league uh arsenal mm-hmm. um fan he chose freddie lundberg uh as his defining player loved the way he played box to box technically good and a bit scrappy dyed haired played with legends so was never considered a big star and for his number three is uh is off the list. He said Ashley Cole, a turncoat, negotiated with London rivals Chelsea before his contract was up, as many great seasons he had before he left, and 20 years later, and still not forgiven. Uh, I like that one a lot. We've got time for one more. Uh, that would be Tim Jackson, a uh, big Alabama mm-hmm. fan. He also used to like the uh, the Dolphins. I'll just do this quickly for his defining player. This was really cool. He said for Alabama has four Heisman winners, so those would be recent throwbacks. To go back further, though, starting with the most recent and working backwards, I totally rock a Bama throwback jersey for Sean Alexander, mm-hmm. great running back, Derek Thomas, who mm-hmm. who died young, uh, Tony Nathan, uh, who went on to play with the Dolphins a little bit, uh, Johnny Musso, I don't know who that is, uh, Joe Namath was an Alabama yes. quarterback. And it, but he said, here's his number one choice. And who I really wish I had the throwback jersey for is former Packers and Alabama great Don Hudson. Um, so that's great. Uh, we do have time for one more. Paul Sinta, uh, who's been on, big Bills fan. He already has the one jersey he wants. That's Fred Jackson, Freddie Jackson, uh, which also kind of works as a deep cut. He He loved Thurman Thomas, big fan of his. But he found out that a lot of the, like, Really good bills in that era were kind of jerks off the field. So he's like, I'm sticking with Freddie Jackson. But for his players that are on the list, he said, any jersey that our friend Tom Bruss buys his sons is guaranteed to be the worst one to own that year. He said, J.P. Lossman and Trent Edwards are among those bills jerseys that should be at the top of the list. Then he also named Buffalo Sabres uh, Miroslav Satan, spelled Satan. Mm -hmm. Not 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 well recognized in many parts of the world. So that's where we are. Um, fun. So yeah, thanks to everybody who uh, responded to our little questionnaire. Thanks for listening to Run That Back. We'll see you next week.